Are you ready to jump into some true crime docs, crime thrillers, and more? Check out our website for an extensive list of our favorite movies and shows at thesirenspodcast.com slash watch, and find our favorite true crime and thriller books and authors, some covered on the show, at thesirenspodcast.com slash author alley. You can even find special deals for Amazon Music, Audible, Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, Showtime, and even Grubhub. If you're looking to jump in immediately, check out our pinned Facebook post for some streaming service free trials on us. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. So you heard gunshots? Yes, like... How many, how many shots did you hear? I More than 10, I can tell you. More than 10? Okay, and did you hear anything after the gunshots? No. No? That's, as soon as I heard that, we ran. Okay, okay. We okay. were leaving the club, and then as soon as we left, gunshots were just going like crazy. Are you near Paul's nightclub? So I'm home. My son is stuck in the bathroom down there, and I got him on the other phone. I called before, but they they called the dispatchers and all the lines were busy. Ma'am, the phones have rolled over to the sheriff's office. They've got multiple officers and deputies on scene working the call right now. Okay? Is he injured in any way? Do you know? Okay. Ma'am, what I need him to do is just stay where he is. Don't go anywhere or do anything until the deputies and officers clear the area, okay? Just have him stay where he is. Okay. Okay, they've got, like I said, multiple, multiple deputies and OPD officers on scene, okay? Just tell him to stay where he is, stay tight, and follow the officers and deputies' directions. Okay. All right, thank you, ma'am. I'm not directly here, but I'm hearing gunshots all over the place. Okay, yes, we've got an active incident going on. Do you have any information? Like, did you see anything or anything? Um, I have seen a white car drive by our house twice now, I believe, um, at least, that I've actually seen. Okay. Do you think this car is involved, or do you just think it's suspicious? No, it's, I would say it's involved in some form. Okay, um, a shot okay. just hit the door that, of the place that I'm working in. A shot hit your door? All right, let me try and get OPD back on the line. We're getting several calls. They're getting flooded with it. Okay. Hold on a second. Over there, he told me that he cannot get off over there. Didn't he didn't like. Where is he right now? He's over there. He said he cannot get off. Did he say where he is? Like yeah, physically inside there. He said if he's in the second floor. Well, I'm calling about my brother because he's in there. What's your brother's name? His name is. And um, he's he when he called us, he was in the bathroom and okay. he said that there's a lot of dead people and. I don't know. Okay, I understand. We are in the club. We're searching for everybody. We're pulling victims out. Please just have patience. How old is he? He's um 20. He was in the bathroom? Yeah, he was in the bathroom What's with he? some other people. 
everybody be patient. It's going to take a while before we, you know, figure out where everybody's at, okay? As soon as we find them, I'm going to take your information, and we're going to call you. Hi. Um, I suppose there was a shooting in Pulse Orlando, um, and on social media we've seen it. One of our friends sent us a text and said that he's been shot and he's in the bathroom and no one sees him. Did he say anything else? Yeah, that's all he said. All he said is he was in the bathroom and they walked right by him. Um, the message, we called him because he posted on Facebook that he had got shot. So we said, is everything okay? He said, got shot three times. We said, where are you? And the response was, in bathroom. Tell them to check the bathroom. We, I don't even know what's going on. I just saw it all on social media, and that's why we reached out to him, because we knew he was there. I just got home from the club, Club Pulse. It's a gay club on um, yeah. Orange Ave. It's 19 South, 1912 South Orange Avenue. Yeah. I got home, and my friends were texting me and telling me that there was a shooting going on. A lot of my friends got shot. They were in the bathroom. They told me yeah, they told me to tell, to call somebody, the cop not with them. My friend got shot three times. Nobody's helping me. I'm home. I'm not at the club. I can't do nothing. Okay, so you're not there anymore, any longer, so you're at home, no, my, my, and your friend is in the bathroom, and he has been shot. He said he got shot three times. Okay. Okay, deputies there's, are there. There's somebody, there's, there's multiple people in there, I'm shooting. There's a lot of people, yes, there's a lot of people, and they're working on it. So you left before the shooting? Yeah, once I got home, I left like around 15 minutes before the shooting, I got home. Like, 10 minutes later, I got calls from all my friends asking if I'm okay. They told me what happened. Now, I called all my friends to make sure what happened, and my friend told me he got shot three times. He's in the bathroom for me to help, help. I'm not there. I can't do nothing. Only one bathroom there, or there's more than one? No, there's three of them. Do you know which one he's at? Did he say? I have no idea. I tried to say bye to him when I left. I can't find him, so I left home. Yes, three of them. Oh, my brother just texted me um, right now. He says he's in there, and there's been a shooting, and there's a lot of people dead. Uh, we are working an incident at the Pulse nightclub. Where's your brother located in the club, did he say? No, no, no. I've been trying to text, but he said he can't talk. The, the shooting that's going on downtown, yes. my ex-girlfriend is hiding in the bathroom at the club Pulse. She said there's people hiding in the bathroom there, shooting there. And there's dead people there. My girlfriend is hiding on the club pulse where people are shot and dead, and there's like 18 people hiding in the bathroom. Are you guys sending anybody there? We have a lot of deputies there. We're trying to get everybody else safe. We have SWAT inside going inside each building. Did she text you? I mean, it's Rome. Did she text you anything else? Or she, no, she's, all she texted me there's like 18 people, two are dead, and they're in the bathroom. She doesn't know is the female or male bathroom. And they're all scared to death, and they all think they're going to die. She's saying that the shooters are there. She's saying the shooter's in the, in the bathroom with her? No. All she texts me right now is that she's saying that the shooters are there, are here. The shooters are here. So I don't know if they're in the bathroom with her now or if they're just in the club. Um, my brother is in there. Um, he, his position right now is um, in the unisex bathroom. He's telling me there's um, already four dead in there. And you said he's telling you that there were four dead there? Yeah, and there are a lot of them that are wounded in there. Okay. And there's already four dead. They need to to shelter where they are. 
and if the suspect is there, he needs to keep himself safe. So if he needs to put the phone down so he doesn't see that he has the phone, then that's what he needs to do. Yeah, he's like going on and off, on and off. I, I guess he's okay. hiding the phone or right, whatever. Right, probably. That's so probably the case. This is the Pulse nightclub. My girlfriend's in the bathroom. There are now four dead in the bathroom and two shot. They're bleeding now. If somebody doesn't get there soon, they're going to die. This is the fifth time I'm calling you guys. It's telling you the same information, and, there's, and it's been which, over half an hour now, okay, and there's no copy Did she say, did you find out which bathroom she's in? She doesn't know. She ran into a bathroom. She doesn't know if it's female or male. She doesn't know if it's the back of the club or in the front of the club. All she knows is now there's four dead, and there's two shots that are bleeding out. They're about to die. Yes, my son was shot in the, in the club in the Pulse in Orlando, and she's still in the bathroom when he's bleeding. Pulse 911 phone calls that several people made that night. And as you can tell, today on the six year anniversary, we are talking about the Pulse shooting in, in Orlando, Florida, that happened on June 12th, 2016. I have with me today Simon Vaughn. Hello. He and I are going to talk about this case with you. Um, I know that we normally talk about. Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, we are a Southern true crime podcast, so we thought this one was kind of important to talk about. Florida's still Southern, so here we are. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. We are celebrating Pride Month, and this, talking about these victims, is how we are going to do that. Over the rainbow, baby. Let's do it. That weekend actually had another tragedy. I don't know if you remember this, uh, but Christina Grimmie was yes. shot that weekend and that that came first oh i remember for those of you who don't know who christina grimmie is she was i knew her from youtube i loved her youtube Mm -hmm. videos but she actually auditioned on the voice and i think she came out like third on it she did a really great duet with uh ed sheeran oh there you go (laughs) ed sheeran the night of one of her concerts uh a just random fan walked up and shot her is what I believe. I didn't look too much into that because that's not what we're talking about today, but that's how the weekend started. Yeah. And so, and I believe that that was also in Orlando. I believe it was at an Orlando theater. And then Saturday night was Latin night at Pulse. 
Pulse was one of the best-known gay clubs there in Orlando. If you look back over the pictures of it, it looks like one hell of a club. Yeah. It looked like it used to be just an absolute, like absolute wonderful place. Yes, probably really fun. I imagine it being sort of like that place in the birdcage. <laughs> La Cajafo. Yeah. <laughs> just like you could just go in there and not, at least us straight girls could go in there and not be bothered Absolutely. by anyone. <laughs> The point of them actually are in that regard. There are there are exclusively, in certain circles, they're referred to as cis gay clubs. Yeah, because then that gets into a trans argument. Yeah, but then there that's the same for anywhere when it comes down to it. Because then you could argue that's the same. Like that's a joke that I've made with other friends before. Mm-hmm. It's like so you mean a gentleman's club, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing, exactly. right? Exactly. Like, yes. All right. One hundred percent. Yeah. What every you just said. Yeah, when I was younger, every time I went into a strip club that was called a gentleman's club, mm-hmm. I have to admit I felt a little cheated. Yeah. It's like, well, that's nice <laughs> and all. Extremely ma'am. cheated. There were no gentlemen in sight. Exactly. <laughs> and also, I don't care what a lot of ladies have said over the years. Chippendales <laughs> dancers are not that pretty. <laughs> they really weren't. And you know who was actually sexier in that outfit? I will defend this to my dying day. Chris Farley. Personality. Yeah. Yeah. It's personality and it's movement, and he was sexier than any other Chippendales (laughs) dancer. He could move. I'll tell you that. Exactly. He could move. Also, there's never never been a more muscular, large man. So. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Chris Farley was ripped as hell. Mm -hmm. He just was big. He just had a little packaging... Made out of, you know, malt hops and bong <laughs> resin. Rest in peace, Chris Farley. Love you to death. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a really, really popular place to be. And they had uh, different, like, themed nights all the time. And this one was Latin night. And um, obviously the place was absolutely packed. All different kinds of people there. Gay, straight, I mean, black, white, Latina. Have you ever had the benefit of going to a gay club on a very busy or big, uh, like a big one? I have only been to one club, one gay club. Uh, I went with my gay brother and he took me to a drag show. And it was like this big, huge thing. I love drag shows. But I also know that that is not like a typical gay club night. It's not, no. It's like very eventful for them. It's basically carnival. It was wonderful. When there's a drag show going on, it's like get ready to, (laughs) like the rest of the night. I think we we (laughs) drove like two hours to go to this and it was totally worth it. 100% worth it. Yeah, so no, that's it. That's You see, this is one of the biggest problems with a lot of idiots. (laughs) One of the problems with most idiots out there is that they think that all gay clubs are places where everybody is going and fucking. Yeah. They're not. No. That's a sex club. (laughs) Yeah. Those are very different things. Yeah. That's a very different thing. And a gay club is usually, half of them are safe spaces. Mm Mm-hmm. They literally are. It's like, no, you don't have to be gay to come in here. Mm-hmm. You just have to want to party. Yeah. Now come in and party. And you have <laughs> it's to, fine. And you have to want to do it without malice. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the only it. requirements. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's over the rainbow? A bunch of really cool people who want you to either, you know, not be a dick or maybe learn how to accessorize. Yeah. It's not that fucking hard. <laughs> So there was all different kinds of kinds that night, and they were having a um, a big party there. They were celebrating Latin night. Uh, they had 
people there from Mexico, the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, the U.S. They were doing salsa dancing and like all kinds of stuff. There. Listen, nightclub salsa scenes. By the way, I would love to. That see. is the fastest way to lose thirty pounds. I'm not going to lie, because <laughs> so. whether you can dance or not, you will by the end of the night. It is so hard not to dance at one of those. Oh yeah, I can imagine. So we're going to start just before the shooting began. Oh boy, back to the sad part. Yeah, back Fantastic. to the back to the sad. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. I forgot why I was here for a <laughs> second. My apologies. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so we're gonna start with 28 year old Ashley Summers and her friends went to the bartender Kate at Pulse's back um, back bar. So they had three bars. That's fairly standard for more compound style. Not to imply anything, but uh, yeah. more more large nightclubs. Yeah. There are separate bars that will be with. They'll have their own identity. Half they, the time. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. because there was one, I believe, out on the patio. There was one in the main room, and then there's one in the back where there was a stage, and mm-hmm. that's where they did events that we were talking about. Like, oh yeah, like yeah. No, you have to have a big line bar yeah. near the stage. Yeah, so Cause I... Because ha- also for the stage, you can put stairs next to the bar. Yes. And then it gets really good. <laughs> and there were also three bathrooms in the club. There was only one entrance at the front of the club, and it had... It was kind of like its own room, and you walk in, and you did have to pay that night. I believe it was a $10 entry to get in, and there was like a ticket taker person a that would, yeah, it would sell you, and then you went in you could not access the patio from outside you had to like go in and then go around and go through to the patio so there's a privacy wall yes and the privacy wall i do believe had a gate in it but i think it was locked because i think that's how they got there i'm not sure but that's probably alcohol uh, at that point Um, that's 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 an easy access to yeah you can't you can't yes and also you can't have people just like walking off yeah you can't do that um there were other emergency doors I do not know the status of those doors now coming from I was a bartender for two Uh, years yeah (laughs) and it was a very shitty bar that I worked in and there were two accesses one from the lobby of the hotel and then one that went literally outside he always had that door locked it was always chained and that is literally against the fire marshal rules you have to have an exit. I do not know the status of these exit doors, but I can tell <laughs> based you based from- on my experience, it wouldn't surprise me if some of them were locked off or something I like that. I 100% agree with you yeah. for one very big reason. The other problem with being a patron at one of these places and just being able to relax and know you're in a safe space yeah. is hard enough. Now, imagine being the proprietor. I don't doubt in any way, shape, or form they probably were locked. Yeah. To prevent, try to prevent things like this. At least, I believe there were three emergency exits, and I would bet at least two of them were locked. If someone really wants to do something, they'll have the bolt cutters beforehand to do it. Yeah, yeah. On our website, thesirenspodcast.com/slash case files, I did upload. The FBI report. It's, ah, a, it's a two-part report. I had not had a chance to read that yet. It was long, and so I kind of just skimmed through it. Um, and you know, like when you skim through things, if you're not looking for it, sometimes you just like go right over it. So, um, but I do have those. If you guys want to look at those, you can hop on there and you can 
you can um, take a look at those yourself. Yeah, so we're going to go back to Ashley Summers, and she is going up to the bartender at the Pulse's back bar to order one more round. Now, I do also have photos. I have a photo of the um, of Pulse and the layout of Pulse. I do have a couple more photos on there um, of where people were found so if you want to see that, that's on there on the website as well. Um, so she goes to the back bar. She orders a soda, a vodka, soda, and lime. That's an excellent dancing drink, by the yeah. way. Also a vodka and Red Bull for a friend. That friend needs to sit down. <laughs> and a specialty drink for another. It means and I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> one of Ashley's friends was polishing the credit card receipt with all sorts of pleasantries for the bartender. Stuff like sexy kitten and mwah, you're the best and stuff like that when the shooting actually started. Now for 15 seconds through the pulsing of the salsa music, they thought it might have been like fireworks. Mm-hmm. Like we're literally having a party. It's not uncommon. Yeah. And so uh, they eventually figured out the hard way that it was gunshots. Ashley said that she pulled a friend to the ground with her and they felt glass and stuff shattering around them. They were near a back exit and they crawled out. Okay, so there it is. At least that back exit was open. Okay. Concerned about what might have been behind the seven foot high white privacy fence out back, they turned left into a storage area where they heard more gunshots coming from that direction. So they backed out went back to the patio and used some of the furniture to literally jump the fence. So they were still, they went out the patio. They door. went out the patio door. So I'm guessing that the back bar we're talking about here is the one in the main, in the center of the, the building. They were able to, to literally jump over the fence and dash to safety. Ashley said at one point it was shock. It was disbelief. It was fear, but it was urgency. There was knowing that we had to get out of there. Uh, she was also a ballroom dance instructor. Just cool little thing about her. Yeah. I've heard every, every mythological gay slur that you can imagine under the sun as far as like, yeah, they they lay eggs or they come out from, uh, they come out only at night uh, to do their, uh, do their awful things. It's a weird thing to say. This was right around the time that a lot of uh, fine young murderers were really getting instigated to do things mm. like these and you would hear things that were seriously bordering on the supernatural about queer people well i didn't know they were so powerful yeah but we, <laughs> i mean we are but <laughs> it, fantastically powerful seriously it's like do you have the capability of shooting this many rainbows out of your ass and looking I, this good i do not damn straight i do <laughs> <not>. <laughs> i can tell you that but no the thing is with this one, I've heard a lot of people say ridiculous things. It's the same way that other people have justified in their minds racist things mm-hmm. before. Like, oh, well, their brains aren't as big as ours. That's, or yeah. they're fundamentally, their genetics Stupid are fundamentally shit. weaker than ours. Stupid like, shit. Yeah, you say that, Bucktooth Gumpus. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, listen, just because, you know, your mom might be your aunt <laughs> doesn't mean that, it, that doesn't make strength, son. Yeah. For attacking at when he did, these are where you hear the people thinking and working along the lines of, I like, if I go when it's about to close, I have the optimum amount of high, a higher body count with less resistance. That would have been when the most people were probably the most inebriated at the time. Exactly. 
So, yeah, yeah. Went to a place that was guaranteed to be packed to have the highest visual impact. That was his modus. That's what he wanted. In this case, what this person wanted was to be able to take as many people with the possibility of getting away. Well, and uh, most people who are inebriated can't even walk a straight line, let alone run from gunfire. And end of the night, those people are absolute targets. Yeah. The first shots happened around 2 a.m. And this is, all of this is coming from, most of it is coming from the FBI report, like the timeline and everything like that. So... Around 2.02, Orlando police received multiple reports. Uh, God, those were we just, Yeah, we just listened to a lot of them who called 911 saying that shots had been fired at Pulse. The first bursts of gunfire were captured on video by a 25-year-old named Amanda Alvier. The footage was actually uploaded to Snapchat. Whoa. Yeah. I don't think she meant to. Because it starts with with people dancing and having a good time, and it's it's her. It's like a selfie mm-hmm. cam kind of situation, and then you can hear the gunfire, and she just kind of stops, like, "Wait, what?" And then it, it kind of cuts off. So I don't know if she meant to upload that Probably or not. not. But also, back about six years ago, Snapchat was incredibly invasive. Once you had it uploaded on anything, yeah. It, yeah. You like half the time you couldn't do anything on it without it posting. And then around that same time, an off duty officer who was working there, I'm guessing as a bouncer, he engaged in gun battle with the shooter. This comes from the police chief of Orlando, John Mina. He says that they exchanged gunfire and this security guard was then joined by an unknown number of police officers who were the first to arrive on the scene. He says, quote, the suspect at some point went back inside the club where more shots were fired. After that, additional officers had arrived literally two minutes later at 2.04 a.m. and entered Pulse four minutes later, exchanging fire with the attacker again. During these early rounds of gunfire, police said many patrons were able to escape. Also, many were not. There was a man there named Norman Cassiano. So when the shots erupted, Norman Cassiano dropped to his knees and crawled to what was apparently a different bathroom, seeking safety in a stall where many people were already in their cram together. He tried to call 911, then his mom. All his mom could hear was him just screaming mom over and over again. And then the call dropped. Cassiano said the gunman didn't say anything, and he was literally just laughing as people begged him not to shoot them. He assured the gunman that he didn't know who he was and he hadn't seen his face, so he could let him live. All he heard at that time was laughter. He laughed, quote, like an evil laugh, something that's just going to be imprinted in my head forever. When the gunman left the bathroom, Cassio tried to urge others to leave, he said, but was unable to slip away and escape. 2.09 a.m., a warning appeared on the club's Facebook page that said, quote, everyone get out of Pulse and keep running. Yeah. As soon as Angel Cologne heard the gunshots, he and his friends ran for their lives. Um, but he was Angel was actually shot three times. He fell and then was trampled. Oh, um, yeah, all around him he heard gunshots and he cried for help. He said, quote, I could see him shooting at everyone and I can hear the shots getting closer. And I look over and he shoots the girl next to me. I'm just lying down and I'm thinking, I'm next, I'm dead. 
Another man, Ray Rivera, he said, quote, all hell broke loose, people running for the door, jumping over the gates. He was also the DJ there that night, a.k.a. DJ Infinite, who had been playing music that night on the patio area. He took cover behind his booth, shielded two others, and was able to flee to safety. Others had barricaded themselves inside bathroom stalls. They recall, like, just not wanting to speak or make any noise. And they just sat in there in silence texting loved ones for help. Mm -hmm. Um, I I didn't hear any calls from anyone who was actually inside the building, and I don't know why. I don't know if those just weren't released. Hmm. Uh, I do know that they were texting a lot of, like, family and friends for help. The gunman actually paced around the rear of the club at that time, laughing and shooting at people who were already on the ground, whether they were dead or not. Get a life, kid. <laughs> uh, a SWAT team was called in at 218. There is footage of it. I have it linked on the website. You can go and watch it there. It just didn't translate very well. Um, to audio, so... As someone going into the emergency medical services myself, I can safely say I look forward to the day we get them. I do too, honestly. I I absolutely do, do because Mm -hmm. while I have my own feelings about authorities, as I have maybe accidentally expressed with you here a couple of times, (laughs) at the end of the day, that's how good people also get shown to be good people yeah exactly yeah that's just how it is mm-hmm. we you be you a police officer or not i think maybe it keeps everyone safer for the most part it removes the ambiguity well yeah and yeah. there's a lot of things that have happened in recent years that if we didn't have that cam footage we would have never been able to prove it god can you imagine growing yeah. up in the no. can can you imagine growing up in southeast central oklahoma with a group of officers who had to have body cams. Mm-mm. Can you imagine? Yeah, me neither. I'm just thinking about uh, all of the Ada police officers over the years. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Could right? you imagine? Right. Like, <laughs> like, would any of the things in Ada have taken place if they had freaking body cams on them? Probably not. Right. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So then at 2.35 a.m., about half an hour after the shooting began, the shooter himself made several 911 calls. We are going to listen to those, so brace yourself now. Buckling up.
he literally put himself in the same room as the Boston Bombers. Yeah. Um, and, and that was kind of like a, a compilation. So he called initially at 235 and he said that initial statement. Then he called again. And and I want to let you know, I didn't cut that off. Those are him cutting himself off for the most part. So 248, he made another phone call and then 303 and then 324 a.m. The last time he called and the, the last call that he made was not released and it is because at that time he was in the bathroom holding hostages we have a man named mr orlando he said he listened to the gunman who warned the hostages not to text anyone he took their cell phones orlando also described uh, moments of surreal quiet the killer kind of fiddled with his weapon and uh, use the sink and use the hand dryer, but it was just like other than that, totally and utterly quiet. Listen, it's creepy enough being in like a closed buildings bathroom anyway. Yeah, yeah. All right. And I don't exactly know how big these bathrooms were. They weren't small bathrooms. Oh no. Um, Nightclub bathrooms tend to uh, tend to be quite supportive of a lot of urine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know that it that uh, they were large enough to hold like twenty people at once. Yeah, because at, at one point there was like twenty people in one bathroom. That's pretty. That's pretty common. Um, at that time, the shooter also checked on bodies around him. Uh, there were some that were deceased, and at one point, Orlando switched positions and and just played dead. And he felt something poking him. He believed it was the gunman checking to see if he was dead. He didn't know because he didn't check because he was playing dead. So the police had breached the main area fairly early on, way before he had barricaded himself in the bathroom with these hostages. And of course, they were checking to see if they had anyone alive. They were getting them out of the building if they could. They were also taking precautions because they did not know at the time where the shooter was. They didn't know if he had left or if he was, you know, they were they were going through doing room checks as they were also trying to check on a bunch of these people. And while the shooting was happening, there was a lot of people who said that they also played dead. That at some points it didn't matter because he was still going around shooting people who were already like either gone or playing dead or whatever. He was just shooting whatever was in his way. Around 5 a.m., the police made the decision. I don't know where this decision came from. I didn't see anything on where they collaborated on this decision or why it was the best decision. But at around 5 a.m., the police blew a hole into the bathroom wall. They began to get hostages out, and uh, yeah, the confrontation with with the gunman was uh, fatal. Yeah. There was a lot of I don't know whys for why they decided to bomb the wall, because if their whole thing was trying to keep the hostages safe bombing a wall that you don't know who's next to is probably not the best way to go about it. Did they happen to list what kind of measure they um, used? It might be in the FBI report. We can look. Because it depends. If it's a low yield, if it's a low yield uh, directional explosive, that actually is used for that purpose with min- minimal casualties. What it, what it does is it destabilizes a surface without blasting a hefty amount of force into a place. Yeah. Which, regardless, if you're in an enclosed area, it still can 
it can still wreck you. Oh yeah. But it's one of those things that it's it's a thing that actually is employed. He he actually says so he says you already know what I did. And then he tells them that he has a vest on, a suicide vest on, mm-hmm. basically. And he says the kind of vest used in France. Wow. Now, now if we remember correctly, mm-hmm. not long before that there was that bombing in Paris at that um concert that was messed up yeah just as bad yeah. as this oh yeah he told them that and they assumed that it was a suicide vest one that had bombs strapped to it in some way depending on the type of vest it just depends on what the explosive was because regardless if they didn't know what it was no there's not a lot of justification to blow open a wall yeah um if they did know, if he did release to them, like, any suspicion, if it was, you know, like, homemade uh, plastique or something along those lines, yeah, you all can talk to the FBI on your own web searches, okay? <laughs> it's like, I just have a lot of military friends. That's all there is to it. If it's a compound explosive in the first place, yeah, you can shoot that with a gun and nothing will happen. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. know that. It yeah. comes down to the actual detonator, the actual, uh, the whole hookup. Right, right, yeah. right. So they, they must not have known what kind of detonation correct. it was. I mean, yeah. most, of you, most of your homegrown morons like this uh, typically do the pipe bomb thing. Yeah, but. okay, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I'm literally looking at the FBI report, and I don't see any specifics on that. Then the, this was exactly what it was. This was that idiot escalated himself from domestic terrorist to it's basically it's the sledgehammer version of a flashbang is technically what they did in this case they knocked a hole in the wall that surprised that they can yeah and they could see through exactly yeah i mean i have a negative opinion about this as well i'm not supporting it at all Uh, no (laughs) i think i think that was a really dangerous move for the hostages i think it was a move that didn't care about the hostages. That's, yeah, that's kind of where I'm getting at. That's what we're talking about, yeah. so we absolutely can here. Yeah. 324 was the last phone call that the shooter made, and then 421, about an hour later, there was a dressing room that they that the police found a window to that they removed an air conditioning unit from and started pulling hostages out there. And then at 429, victims were being rescued. They told the police that the shooter said he was going to put four vests with bombs on victims within 15 minutes. He didn't have those. Well, no, he wasn't seen with them at all. He did this to actually escalate his thing up for news. This was a person planning to die. I should mention, by the way, that by this time, police had found his vehicle, the shooter's vehicle, and they had searched it, and there were no explosive devices in it or vests or anything like that. Correct. So, um, at 5.02, SWAT and OCSO hazardous device team began to breach the wall with quote, explosive charges and armored vehicles to make entry. By 514, radio communications state that shots were fired. At one minute later, 515 a.m., they state that they engaged with the suspect and the suspect was reported down. Based on radio communication and this FBI report, there were no reports of shots being fired inside of Pulse between the initial exchange of gunfire between responding officers and the shooter and the time of the final breach. 
So during that time, the shooter communicated with the 911 operator and the crisis negotiator and radio communications reported that the victims were being rescued. There's a photo on the website that has red dots for where all the bodies were found inside and one on the patio. So there were 20 bodies found on the main dance floor. There were three bodies found on the stage. There was one in the lobby, one on the patio, and 13 total in the bathrooms. So you had six in one bathroom, seven in another bathroom, and I believe the rest in the other bathroom. So his name was Omar Mateen, the shooter. He identified himself as a Islamic soldier. He is believed to have spent time online. What a fucking shocker. <laughs> he was apparently doing a bunch of, quote, research, searching <laughs> searching the Facebook page, um, watching Pulse Orlando and... Uh, he had in his search his search history that thing that everybody deletes all the time. <laughs> in his search history, he had Pulse Orlando and shooting. So the hostages were in there for what three hours yeah. before they were brought out, and one of them who was in there um, that we talked about before, Cassiano, he was huddled in there together. Um, a wounded man staggered into the bathroom and dropped to the floor. They urged him to stay quiet. At one point, as the gunman approached, he said he could hear shells clattering to the floor and um, he could hear him reloading the gun. He says, quote, he was just firing, firing, firing. He said in an interview, he was hit once in the back and felt a hot pulse of pain tear into him as if his leg had been severed. He ended up being shot twice in the back, both bullets passing through his body completely. He said he and his friend positioned themselves on a toilet, and he had braced one foot against the stall door so they couldn't get in. And around this time, Mina Justice was asleep at home when she received a text from her 30-year-old son, Eddie Justice. He was also hiding in the bathroom at the club, the first text reads, Mommy, I love you. No, it's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just, like, can't imagine my grown son. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't expect that one. Pause. <laughs> it's okay. <sighs> that message came at 2.06 a.m. The next says, in the club, they shooting. Only two minutes later, he wrote, I'm gonna die. After 30, 30 minutes would pass before he sent a text begging for help. He says, call them mommy, hurry. He's in the bathroom with us. He got mad and hung up, Orlando said. I can't remember who it was. I, it, I feel like it was the shooter's father. I could be wrong. Who later stated that he started researching doing this to Pulse because he had recently seen two gay men kissing. And it upset him. Yeah. Okay, so near the end of the siege, Mateen began shooting the hostages in the bathroom, Orlando said. Um, by some miracle, he once again avoided detection, but a person in the neighboring stall wasn't so lucky. A man he, who had just been shot crawled under the stall, grasping at both Orlando and his companion's legs, pulling them down and exposing their hiding spot. They played dead. He said, my face was against the toilet bowl. I could see his feet, like, scooting back, scooting back, scooting back, as he heard the police outside. Um, at 5.02 a.m., the SWAT team entered. 
they breached with the explosives and quote the last thing that I heard before the police said you know move away from the walls because obviously they were about to bust through again the shooter said hey you to someone on the floor inside the bathroom and shot them shot another person and then shot another person who had happened to be directly behind me then the wall was broken and hostages began to emerge and so did uh, the shooter he was literally still shooting people the second before they busted through that wall mm-hmm. that's a uh, that's a controlled detonation uh, that is something that actually has been a tactic for a very long time for more supplied SWAT teams and programs don't support a world that requires that in the first place. It's like, that's not good. (laughs) Yeah. So the suspect came out of that hole himself, armed with a handgun and a long gun. Morbid curiosity at this point. Did Did they identify what type of guns he was utilizing? So, I can tell you what they are. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, so you'll have to correct me. Um, The first one, the rifle, was an AR-15 style magazine. It was the Sig Sawyer MCX rifle. Yep, Sig Sauer. Sig Sauer. A .223 caliber. Yep. Okay, that was the other choice. Apparently, it's common. It is insanely common. I don't, I'm not saying he got it from Walmart, mm-hmm. but I am. That falls into the but same. You could. It's the same category. Yeah. Uh, the the magazine capacity in that is 30 rounds, and I it I do not know how many magazines he had with him. My big thing is I, as I've said before on your show, I am a gun enthusiast. Mm-hmm. I'm a firearm enthusiast. Yeah. I'm a weapons history enthusiast. I'm also a no. I'm a gun safety and. Gun and gun use enthusiasts. I do actually support people having the ability and the knowledge and the capability of, of, of acquiring firearms and acquiring training to get them. What I have a fucking problem with is being able to be a dipshit mm-hmm. who makes way too much money and yeah. go into a fucking grocery store well, and buy a fucking automatic rifle. So maybe that is also my problem as well uh because yeah i think that's just that you you shouldn't be able to go into a grocery store and buy something like that and you should before you were even able to carry something like that have some sort of extensive training where you have been cleared to use that whatever weapon it is i believe training is necessary but also background checks my big problem is just that is we live in oklahoma Mm -hmm. while i know that you have the capacity to protect yourself in this case, let me ask you a question. Would you ever, in your mind, consider a home defense from something that's full automatic? I don't think so. I'd much rather have a shotgun, honestly. Right? I really would. Right? If you're going to step foot in my home, you're going to be close range to me. I'm going to make sure that you're Precisely. not going anywhere so, after I shoot you. <laughs> in in this regard, we can break it down also logically. Yeah. Because guns serve a function. They yeah. Ha- they have a purpose. Their design is a... And I'm not going to just leave it with the whole, it's to kill people. Yeah. But that is true. But, it, but it's but it's, it's how. how the delivery yeah, exactly. is done, and yeah. that implies the intent. Exactly. With a shotgun, a shotgun has numerous uses. Mm-hmm. It actually, as a weapon, it has numerous uses. Likewise, handguns. Handguns have a very specific purpose, which is defense mm-hmm. and assault. But yeah. that's me being, that's me not being opinionated. That's yeah. just being 
that's what it is. Yeah. I am a long I am a long gun enthusiast. I love rifles. I always have. I like target shooting. I have a friend that I still go out into the middle of the boonies to shoot cans. It's when we play at being rednecks for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I can safely say I very much love doing that. I'm terrible at it, but I love doing that. <laughs> at no point have I ever felt the need to hold a trigger down mm-hmm. and let 30 rounds escape in the span of five seconds. Yep, exactly. Because of just, I guess, a different in aesthetics. Yeah. It comes down to, I understand the function of of practical automatic weaponry. Yeah. That function is war. Exactly. Exactly. That is its function. Exactly. A handgun has a function. Yep. A shotgun has a function. A long rifle has a function. If you live in Oklahoma, a long rifle is just as beneficial, depending on where you are, as a shotgun. We still have dangerous animals out here. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Mm-hmm. But that's a big deal in that regard. It's like what you can do with a five-round long rifle out here, these people largely justify doing with a full automatic yeah because anybody can spray and pray exactly exactly that's the problem yes exactly and and the other gun um by the way was a glock 17 of course it was nine millimeters of course it was a fucking glock it's always a goddamn glock yeah it has a standard magazine capacity of 17 rounds now i don't know if he actually fired that one. The only one that I know he fired for sure was the rifle. Here's the problem with the Glock. The Glock is one of the most efficient and effective firearms in handheld variety that has ever been created because it maims the bullet. Mm. It disfigures the round. It has minimal rifling. It is designed to make it as lethal as possible. Ah, okay. When it comes out, it deforms the round. It's designed for close quarters combat at all times. Ah. And when that bullet hits you, it can turn a regular 9mm round into behaving like a hollow point because of how bad it deforms the bullet. It's super easy to buy, and they're super cheap in comparison to a lot of other fancier guns. Yeah. And the bullets are a lot cheaper. Yeah. And there's this weird, weird, weird good old boy gun cult about the Glock. And honestly, I think it goes back to the Tommy Lee Jones movie, <laughs> the U.S. Marshals. Yeah. It's like, because Tommy Lee Jones has been, like, literally was the best advertisement for handguns ever mm-hmm. in that movie. I mean, unfortunately, everything he said about that gun is 100% true. The only thing that will stop it from firing is if you put the bullet in backwards. <laughs> yeah. This has been, I'm sorry, <laughs> brought to you by Simon yet again. Well, but also, like, this shooting sparked the federal weapon assault weapons ban again. Well, because that was a 1994 ban, and it expired in 2004. It applied to 118 different models and variations of assault weapons. <laughs> that, because the Uzi was everywhere. When we were kids, remember going into the dollar stores mm-hmm. and the toy guns? Mm-hmm. If you looked at all the toy guns, all of them were Uzis. Yeah. They were all Uzis. <laughs> yep. Uh, apparently that didn't go anywhere. So. Didn't. No, it didn't. The most pro- the most proactive that has happened in this regard is that places like Walmart, as evil as they are, remove their gun sales. Yeah. And that's about it. If you want to see a scrutinizing human being, 
go yeah. into a gun store. Yeah, I mean, that's true. There should be other things in place. Um, it shouldn't be on them. Correct. Yeah. Let's segue. We are going to talk about the gunman himself. He was 29. He was a U.S. citizen born in New York in 1986. Oh, Lord, he's my age. Yeah. Or was my age. His parents moved to New York from Afghanistan in the 1980s, and eventually the family relocated to Point St. Lucia. It's either Lucia or Lucia, depending on which culture named it. Google says Lucy. All hail Google. (laughs) All hail Google. And then his last known residence was in Fort Pierce, and that was about a two-hour drive from Orlando. Okay. Investigators said Mateen legally purchased the two weapons he used at Pulse. So, yeah, he got the weapons in Port St. Lucie in the week before the attack. A third weapon was found in his vehicle. I don't know what it was. According to public records, Mateen had possessed a valid firearm um, license since September 2011, and he was also licensed to be a security officer, working mostly for the global security company G4S, where he'd been employed since 2007. Oh, good old G4S. I don't know what that is. G4S is a security company okay. that will, they do contract work with businesses and other things. Basically, if you need a security for a security group for your operations, they send out security guards. They'll help set up a security program there. Okay, here's the thing. According to the FBI director, James Comey, Mateen had been investigated in 2013. Comey, 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 Chameleon. <laughs> and again in 2014. So he was on the FBI watch list twice yep. before this happened. Hmm, it's almost like somebody was using the internet incorrectly. Mm. <laughs> uh, one of those sparked a 10-month inquiry that saw anything uh, tying him to more substantial threats, um, like terrorism. Um, He was placed on the watch list then. He was taken off of the watch list when the case was closed in March 2014. In July 2014, they looked at him again. Why was that young man being watched? They investigated anyone with possible ties to... Monar Muhammad Abu Saleh, yeah, which was a U.S. citizen from Florida who blew himself up in a 2014 suicide attack in Syria. No ties of consequence were found, and so they again closed it and cleared it. Now, Mateen was married twice. He had a three-year-old son. Uh, His father condemned the attack. He said, I apologize for what my son did. I don't know why he did it. He is dead, so I can't ask him. I wish I knew. His father said his son had become angered recently at the sight of two men kissing. Multiple media outlets reported that some Pulse regulars recognized Mateen and said he had frequented the nightclub as a patron. Vetting, I would think, is why he frequented it. Could be. At least two men said they interacted with Mateen on a gay dating app. Oh my Though, goodness, that's, that angry closet is about to come up yeah. pretty quick. Okay, so, but that is just what they said. The FBI had found no evidence so far so far to support those claims by those who said that he had gay lovers or communicated on any gay dating apps. Um, I will tell you his first marriage ended in divorce. His ex-wife, Satora, said he was an abusive husband. His second wife, Noor Salman might have known about her husband's plans to target Pulse before he did it and kind of like helped him prep for the attack. She actually went on trial. Although he claimed allegiance to ISIS, he also said during his 911 conversation that the 
Svarnev brothers who attacked the Boston Marathon in 2012 yeah. were his, quote, homeboys. Yeah, I heard that. That's what I was talking about. He put himself in the same room. Yeah. So there was patients when all this was said and done who were suffering wounds to the chest, pelvis, extremities, abdomen. They began flooding into emergency rooms shortly after 2 a.m. The wounded were brought in by, quote, the truckloads and ambulance loads, uh, according to doctors. Uh, so much blood was lost that the hospital exhausted its entire medical supply. Of, of blood. More had to be brought in from nearby hospitals and operating rooms were cleaned hastily between surgeries in about one minute again and again and again and again and again. More, over and over. The morbid thing about assault rifle rounds, they're high velocity. Have you ever seen one? I have seen one, yeah. Because they're rounds, the bullet is ridiculously tiny. Yeah. In all major, like barring, uh, barring an AK, which still shoots horse bullets, that full velocity. Yeah. Um, the problem with high velocity rounds is, yes, it is a tiny bullet. If you're up close, that's more than likely how that one uh, survivor managed to live. Yeah. He was up close. The bullet was traveling at full speed. Right. Which yeah. meant it didn't have a chance to slow. Exactly. If yeah. you're at the lethal range of that round, what happens is when that bullet goes inside of you, for those of you who don't know, brace yourself, gory, um, when it hits, it cavitates. All of the energy of the... If the bullet... If you are unfortunate enough for the bullet to stop in you, Mm -hmm. it will do far more damage because it will stop and all of its remaining energy will be transferred directly into that one spot outward. When the bullet hits, if it slows, if it comes to a stop in your body, all remaining energy from the velocity transfers outward into a spherical pattern. Right. This is called cavitation. Yeah. And when it does that, it basically makes a bubble where there isn't supposed to be one. Right. It's like having a micro grenade in your body. So Mm -hmm. that one man probably survived because he was in such close proximity. Too close. And this man was such a fucking idiot that he didn't even know how his own bullets operated. And the weird thing is, is that gun sales actually increased in the days following the massacre. They always do. A Florida congressional candidate announced a contest on Facebook to give away an AR-15. Do you remember that? I remember that. I do. And I was like, it was are you serious liter- right <laughs> 11 days after the attack, Pulse's owner hosted a Latin night street party for employees, patrons, and friends with music blaring and a dance floor in the restaurant parking lot. Around a thousand people showed up. Quote, it's not a party really, but I feel happy to see everyone, end quote. The section of Orlando's Orange Avenue near Pulse was reopened for business not long after. And oh, traffic- hell, they're on yeah. or- they were on Orange Avenue? Yeah, they were on, on yeah, Orange Avenue. And um, Listen, that's, that is the place to party. As of my sources, it said that the club had remained closed for a while, the club itself. I don't know. It's probably reopened by now. I don't know, actually. But I myself. don't know for sure. So here's, right. here's the thing with the shooter's wife, yeah. Noor. Uh, okay, so she went to trial because they suspected her of helping her husband prepare for the attack. So there was kind of like this thing where... The prosecutors were trying to paint her as this, like, monster that helped him and was a terrorist and all this stuff. And then the defense attorneys were trying to paint her as this abused woman that had a a lot of domestic problems. She herself was raised in Southern California by her parents who immigrated to the U.S. from the West Bank in 1985. 
uh, a family spokesperson said that she had three sisters and that her father, who died in 2006, owned a liquor store in California. In her first and only public comment, she told the Times that she met Mateen in 2011 on an internet dating site called Arab Lounge. They married within the same year, culminating in a second marriage for both of them. He had a previous son who was five at the time. So her connection to a violent and gruesome crime surprised her family. Some who knew her, like, just, like, couldn't believe that she would ever be a part of any of that. Her cousin said that she was very, quote, childlike in manner as a quiet, sweet, gentle soul. You hear that all the time in any... I I know. I know. I know. Post readings of anyone. I know. So, she did write a confession. Selman wrote that she knew of her husband's plans to open fire in the gay nightclub and that she had accompanied her husband while scouting Pulse and other targets like Eve, which was a club five minutes away, or Disney Springs, which was an outdoor complex at the Walt Disney World Resort. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, I wish I would have done the right thing, but my fear and reality was holding me back. The end of the document says, quote, I'm very sorry I lied to the FBI. These are my words. So her lawyer argued that the confession was coerced, obviously. Well, it like I said, it escalated from domestic terrorism yeah. to terrorism. Yeah. So, yeah, they said that it was a false confession, and that's what was their defense. Proving that Mateen's motivations was terrorism and not personal hatred toward a specific group is not essential to justify a federal terrorism charge in this case. Like, they're both, they're both, ter- it's all terrorism. It usually is. Yeah, it's all terrorism. Nor, the wife, was actually acquitted of all charges in 2018. I know you wanted to talk about something. One thing will stand out to me in a way that then unfolds dramatically and speculatively. Mm -hmm. But this one is just easy because it's a personal issue that I have. Okay. In describing the bits of information here on Omar and his reactions to certain things, and specifically picking the club. See, most uh, most folks don't have to worry too often on a standard dating site that somebody is literally hunting you. Yeah, well... Most people don't have to worry about that. You uh, should be aware, though. That being said, there are hunters. everybody should. Yeah. It's like women especially on yeah. in yes. any straight dating especially. site. Especially. Ladies... Please protect yourselves mentally mm-hmm. and physically mm-hmm. as well. As I said earlier, it's super easy to get a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah, but on a standard dating site, people have to watch out for your average serial killer or serial rapist. Yeah. In the queer community, you have to watch out for that. And you yeah. have to watch out for Johnny Backwoods, who is doing this to bait, to bait yeah. you for the yeah. purpose of murdering you yeah. for some wackadoodle fucking bullshit. And that the last thing that you live through is someone just defiling everything you hold true. It's a nightmare situation. Yeah. The angry closet. It's not a phrase you're going to find anywhere. There's actually a term for it. I just don't remember it because I'm pissed right now at the story. <laughs> but it's where you've literally, all your life, you've been raised with a what is real, what is true, what is good and bad. Mm-hmm. And yet you feel a different way than what is told to you. Right. So you grow up in your formative years 
denying those feelings mm-hmm. and inwardly hating yourself for them. Because you're supposed to. And That's you're what willing, you're supposed to do. And you're willing to beat it out of yourself yeah. in a way that is detrimental to yourself and others. Mm-hmm. It can result in some horrifying things and generally the mistreatment of other people. You are literally angry at yourself for being a thing that you were told not to be. And yet all these other people are being that which they're being deep that thing down you and know happy. you are and yeah. they're happy. They're happy. And you know they're and not, not supposed to be happy mm-hmm. because it's a it's a dark and evil mm-hmm. thing. It's terrible and not everybody who is in that barricaded closet is ever capable of looking out of it. Mm-hmm. Also, I pay my taxes. <laughs> I pay my taxes. I mow my lawn. I'm nice to my neighbors. Yeah. Who gives a fuck who my partner is in yeah. this case? As long as they're legal, that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> and of legal age is what you mean. <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly yeah. what I'm getting at, which yeah. is the other thing that has to be stated mm-hmm. because that's where a lot of these jerk-offs get the idea is because to them, this is equatable homosexuality or queerness in any way, shape, or form is equatable to pedophilia. Yeah, and it, and that's it's not even it's not even anywhere close. That's a that's to its own that's its own human nightmare. Yeah, in that regard, mm-hmm. not to I, I feel like you're trying not to bring religion into it, and I respect that. Um, but I do want to just say that. Those are the same people who read their book that says it's okay for them to marry an 11-year-old. I was waiting for the host. Because <laughs> we already went on gun control. I already just said something incredibly in support of in, incredibly in support of my rainbow brethren and sister and, and themins. And like, I'll say right now that, I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you, you it's, can't yeah. not include it. It's, it's totally fine for you to... Marry and have sexual relations with an 11-year-old, but homosexuality is a sin. Yeah, you see, that's the actual messed up part, too, because the original version of Leviticus that everybody likes to quote all the time, that part was about being with a child. Mm-hmm. And then it was edited. I, I know which one you're talking about. Thank yep. you, Nicaea. Thank you, James. Yeah, the one that <laughs> the one that is, um, thou shalt not... Lay with Let, man yeah, is an abomination. It, quote, it quote. was mistranslated. It was purposefully it, translated. It was mistranslated. The original translation was that you aren't supposed to have sex with children. Correct. With boys. Boys yes. was the correct translation. And it meant children. Yes. Not another man. Yeah. Another consenting adult. Yes. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, that could be a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast, (laughs) and I'm sorry for for this, but my rainbow was set to blast radius whenever you invited me for this one, and it is a very strong rainbow that I protect a lot of people underneath. Well, I mean, you know, I feel like uh, if I'm going to talk about it, it's important to get, so I have a lot of um, friends and family, but I am not. And even though I understand empathy, I will never understand. So I feel like it is important that if I have someone that I can talk to that has lived it, then why wouldn't I invite you on the show? That's the only reason I'm talking about these things, too, because I'm a survivor of the angry closet. I grew up thinking that entirely Mm -hmm. to the point of using the hate speech, uh, to the point of judging in that regard. Yeah. And then several 
hurtful attempts on my, sorry for catharsis, but several hurtful attempts on my own life. Mm -hmm. Later, a very nice boyfriend, and suddenly you find yourself in one of those moments with your forehead in your hand going, what the What have I been doing? Yeah. I have grown up knowing so many people who have actually successfully come out of the closet, and that is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. And... It's just one of those things that I've seen so many people who have done who have done it and never will also because of their circumstance. Yeah, and I think sometimes with certain people, I think they it it's self denial. I have several friends who came out in their like late teens, early twenties, and when they came out, we were just like, yeah. Well, we know. We've we know. known since you were 12 years old. Like exactly. we, We've known that. You don't have to say that to us. But the truth... But it's self-denial. It is. It's living in that kind of... Those moments of coming out to people who absolutely know you, who yeah. are like, great, that doesn't get you out of doing the dishes. <laughs> exactly. Well, those yeah. are your true family, but at yeah. the same time, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. absolutely important. That realm of self-denial is what leads down the path of things yes, like this. exactly. Now, that being said, this is all angry, angry speculation <laughs> on my part about this Yahoo. That's fine. We we have already read the facts. Hate crimes are a absolute nuclear button for me. Yeah. Because there's so many other wonderful reasons to hate a human being. They're all your actions. Yeah, exactly. Okay? Exactly. Here's the thing. Like, who you are... And everything else like that. No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with why I hate you. I hate you because you're a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. You're horrible to people. You're horrible to animals. You're horrible to the postman. You made a child cry on purpose. Like, that's a good reason to hate a human being. You know me. I'm a historical nerd. I grew up knowing how to utilize an axe like a deranged barbarian well before I ever suddenly thought, there are people with guns out there who would kill me and my loved ones all because I happen to think men are as attractive as women and that there is a even better rainbow out there of yeah. people who don't identify. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I encourage everybody, by the way, to have the knowledge and capability of defending themselves. Mm-hmm. If they can do it, so can you. And that seems to be where we're landing at. Yeah. It's because I know that some of you out there are like, they're going to take our guns. That's never going to happen. It isn't because that's the point of this case. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's never, it's just never going to happen. So the best you can do is... To learn to defend yourself. Learn to defend yourself. However you feel comfortable doing that... We are going to talk about, and this is something that I found out. I shit you not. I found this out while I was researching this case. What do we got? Did not know this. You probably knew this, but I am ignorant. Again, as I said, um, I did not know this. So we're going to talk about hate crime laws for a second. Oh, yes. 46 states and the District of Columbia enacted hate crime penalty enhancement laws, meaning that if someone commits uh, commits a, a crime based on a victim's personal characteristics, they can face severe penalties. However, I did not know that this is not a f- like a federal Mandate, level yeah. mandated law. This is per state. Yep. They let the states choose their own hate crime laws. I I did not know that. And so all of them are very different. 
across all the states. For instance, and this is the one that I was talking about I didn't know about. So um, Oklahoma does have hate crime laws. However, there are two things that are specifically not mentioned in them. One is sexual orientation. The other is gender identity. Yep. Basically, in Oklahoma, if you are called slurs, beaten, assaulted, anything like that, because of your sexual orientation or your gender identity, it does not fall under a hate crime in Oklahoma. Correct. That is fucking mind-blowing. How? So then I was like, okay, well, now I need to know about all the states. So in California, for instance, everything is covered. Everything is mm-hmm. covered. And there, the California ones, if I'm not mistaken, there's also room to grow in case new shit is yes, made up. Exactly. People will always find brand new ways to hate people specifically. So you have laws about police training and those states that include gender identity, then sexual orientation, race, religion, ethnicity, and then disability. I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on one state, one state in particular that I can think of off the top of my head. That probably has none of those. Okay. Is it Utah? So you're close because I believe that up until the last couple of years, Utah had zero hate crime laws. Now it is Arkansas, Wyoming, and South Carolina have zero, zero hate crime laws. None. There's no such thing as a hate crime in those states. That blows my mind. These are the only states that have sexual orientation covered in their hate Mm -hmm. crime laws. Oklahoma does not. Of course not. Uh, The odd thing, though, is that Texas does cover sexual orientation. Oh, that's because there are a lot of very fantastically rich (laughs) queer people in Texas. Good. Good for them. What's this? You can be gay and work in the oil industry? (laughs) Yes, you can. Others that do not include sexual orientation are uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi. Then the states that include do include gender identity. Texas, Arkansas does not. Um, South Dakota does not. The ones that do, Tennessee, Georgia actually includes it. That's surprising. I know. Louisiana and Mississippi actually include it, which is, yeah. Uh, Louisiana makes sense. Mississippi, though. Wow. I know. That good... I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Good job, Mississippi. Well, and there's also states that still do not um, include disability in their hate crime laws. Oh, I know that. And some of those states are Kansas. (laughs) Uh, Good old Kansas. Kentucky. um, Ohio. I'm just like state. These are just random ones that I'm throwing out that don't. Tennessee does include disability. Oklahoma, of course, includes disability. 31 states consider hate crimes on the basis of disability. And 31 states consider hate crimes on the basis of gender identity. 31 states that consider hate crimes on the basis of sexual orientation. Now, I want to state, all of those are not the same state. Correct. So, they each have varying ones. So, yeah, it's just, it kind of blows my mind. We were following the hate crime uh, information, my friends and I, uh, shortly after The Pulse. Yeah. And because that's when it became a hot topic again. Yes, yes. If no. anything would happen or not, if they would change anything or not. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it's like you wait till they release the announcement about it, and then it's like, then go look. Yeah. 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 The, st- the federal government mandates in all editorials 
That states have to control this themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, but uh, ha, why? It's so, that's just so dumb. It's so dumb. Talking about stuff changing and stuff like that. I know that Georgia did not have hate crime laws at all. Nope. Until 2020. Yeah, that's because that's when the, the report was released that they were the number one in the country for a lot of angry violence yes. against and, the queer community. And, it, and um, not to mention the black community. Oh, yeah. Because they actually enacted their hate crime laws right after the death of Ahmaud Arbery. I mean, it just blew my mind that there were still states that don't cover everything, that didn't have any at all, mm-hmm. that, like, I just didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. It's hard for my brain to comprehend like, it's really hard for me to comprehend that we are literally living in 2022 and there are three fucking states that don't have hate crime laws. Abortion laws. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I know. It's 2022 and here we are. Not to push any buttons. It falls under the same category. Yeah. I prefer to put the whole thing as human autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is wrong growing up in the heartland until you find out it is. I know. And it's like doing this podcast, now that I have so many different people coming in, I'm seeing so many different views um, and so many different ways of life and I'm researching so many different things. There are literally things I'm finding out. I am 35, almost 36 years old. Exactly. <laughs> and I am just finding these Nobody things out. Nobody talks about these things here. Nobody brings these things up. It, it's so dumb. <laughs> yeah, right? That's the thing I was talking about. Why? How did I not know? And this is a big reason why I have a podcast. Because I find something out and I go, how did I not know this? Yeah. And then I immediately go to, how many people can I tell? Where do I need to stand on a mountain to shout this? Exactly. <laughs> because people need to know. They need to know what happened at Pulse and why it happened. Not just mm-hmm. what happened, but why it happened. And that's the problem with that one, too, is just that there are thousands yeah. of Reddits and subgroups out there that still talk about Pulse Yeah. Uh, because of just that. There is no clear answer on that one. Yeah. Was he, ju- was he just deranged? Was he hateful? Was he jilted? What was he? We don't know. Well, the only thing we do know is, once again, that he was an asshole. I want to talk about the One Pulse Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a foundation that was established to create a sanctuary of hope following the tragic day uh, of June 12th, 2016, to honor the 49 people who died that day. I think I've heard of these folks. Yeah, the 68 others who were injured that day and the countless first responders and healthcare professionals who treated them. Mm -hmm. So the fund is intended to support a memorial that opens hearts, a museum that opens minds, educational programs that open eyes, and legacy scholarships that open doors. Contributions from generous individuals, foundations, corporations, and government entities directly support all of the National Pulse Memorial and Museum design, construction, land acquisition costs, operations, community education programs, and 49 legacy scholarships. So this is a defining mission and healing initiative that they hope inspires supporters who share their vision and understand the solemn and sacred responsibility to which the community has been entrusted. It gives out scholarships annually, each up to $10,000, to use um, at an accredited institution for higher learning, including career and technical schools, which I think is amazing, uh, since I have so many technical school people around me. 
One Pulse also considers many factors when assessing scholarship applicants, including the applicant's personal story, their financial need or independence, strong academic or self-improvement interests, and proven track record of leadership, community involvement, and or work experience. I'll say this, they do give preference to applicants who have immediate family who were a victim of the Pulse shooting. That's understandable. Yeah, totally understandable. Um, So you can find them at onepulsefoundation.org. That's pretty cool. I'd heard of the organization. I didn't know that they set up up a scholarship. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. What I want to do for you, and I hope that you take the time to listen and don't just skip forward. We are going to read off the names of the 49 victims. Stanley Almodovar III, 23 years old. Amanda Alvier, 25 years old. Oscar A. Aracena Montero, 26 years old. Rodolfo Ayala Ayala, 33 years old. Antonio Devon Brown, 29 years old. Daryl Roman Burt II, 29 years old. Angel Candelario Padro, 28 years old. Juan Chavez Martinez, 25 years old. Luis Daniel Conda, 39 years old. Corey James Connell, 21 years old. Tevin Eugene Crosby, 25 years old. Deanka Deidre Drayton, 32 years old. Simon Adrian Carrillo Fernandez, 31 years old. Leroy Valentine Fernandez, 25 years old. Mercedes Marisol Flores, 26 years old. Peter Omi Gonzalez Cruz, 22 years old. Juan Ramon Guerrero, 22 years old. Paul Terrell Henry, 41 years old. Frank Hernandez, 27 years old. Miguel Angel Honorato, 30 years old. Javier Jorge Reyes, 40 years old. Jason Benjamin Josephat, 19 years old. Eddie Jamoldroy Justice, 30 years old. Anthony Luis Lorino Disla, 25 years old. Christopher Andrew Leononen, 32 years old. Alejandro Barrios Martinez, 21 years old. Brenda Marquez McCool, 49 years old. Gilberto R. Silva Menendez, 25 years old. Kimberly Jean Morris, 37 years old. Akira Monet Murray, 18 years old. Luis Omar Ocasio Capo, 20 years old. Geraldo A. Ortiz Jimenez, 25 years old. Eric Ivan Ortiz Rivera, 36 years old. Joel Rayon Paniagua, 32 years old. Jean Carlos Mendez Perez, 35 years old. Enrique L. Rios Jr., 25 years old. John Carlos Nieves Rodriguez, 27 years old. Xavier Emmanuel Serrano Rosado, 35 years old. Christopher Joseph Sanfeliz, 24 years old. Gil Mary Rodriguez Solevan, 24 years old. Edward Sotomayor Jr., 34 years old. Shane Evan Tomlinson, 33 years old. Martin Benitez Torres, 33 years old. Jonathan A. Camoy Vega, 24 years old. Juan Pablo Rivera Velasquez, 37 years old. Luis Sergio Vielma, 22 years old. Frankie Jimmy De Jesus Velasquez, 50 years old. Luis Daniel Wilson Leon, 37 years old. Gerald Arthur Wright, 31 years old. Rest in peace, folks. (laughs) 
You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?